Good morning, good morning inside the locker room. It's Wesley Euler and Chris Carter in for Tunch and Wolf as the two old fogies. They got the day off after a uh, a long a, a red eye back from the West Coast last night, which. I mean, it's one thing to be taking a red eye when you're feeling good. It's another thing to be taking a red <laughs> eye when you're 0-3. But I should say, quickly, yeah. it's Tunch Oaken's birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, So Tunch. happy birthday to Tunch. I, hopefully he's sleeping right now or, you know, doing, doing something more productive than, than listening to us two jabronis. <laughs> but Chris Carter, Wesley Euler with you here in the locker room for the next two hours on ESPN Pittsburgh. And Steelers Nation Radio on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. And on the phone lines, 412-919-1316. The phone lines are open. If you want to get it off your chest, let's go through a little group therapy together, shall we? Again, 412-919-1316 on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. Mr. Carter. Mr. Euler. I mean, geez, whatever will we talk about today? Oh, I mean, there's nothing to talk about. That was, there's just, there's, everything's fine. Just a pretty uneventful what, game. What was the song we just heard? Y'all gonna make me lose my mind? I think that's Steeler Nation right now. <laughs> up in here, up, up in, in here. Up in here, up in here. Uh, there's a whole lot to get into, but maybe I think, geez, I, don't, I, I think this is how you start. I think this is the place to start. Yeah. How the heck do you force five turnovers? Mm-hmm. Take away the ball five times, I should say, because yeah. to be fair, two of them were one or two of those weren't yeah. forced. But how do you end up with five takeaways? I had a hockey coach one time tell me when I was a kid, they don't uh-huh. ask how, they ask how many. Yep. So regardless of how they happened, you had five <laughs> takeaways and you end up losing the game. Well, when you don't move the ball, West, that's the problem, especially when those first two turnovers set you up in great field position and you get six points out of them. And especially early on, not just the turnover, their first five drives that the defense had was four turnovers and a three and out. And you had six points off of that. I understand it was Mason Ross first start, but that just can't happen okay. uh, the offense has to find a way to move the ball to to show hey we have a threat somewhere we you, you got to be scared of us and the, the, the 49ers, like the Seahawks did and like the Patriots did, they were like, please, please, please throw the ball. Please throw the ball. Because they were rushing up to the line. They were ready for the run. They weren't having it when at any time that James Conner was trying to bust loose. And we'll talk about James Conner's fumble later because sure. that was inexcusable. But you know, at, at some point in time, the Steelers' offense needed to show that it was a threat down the field. And they, they did hit two plays late in the game, and they were great plays, but that was it. That was, and you cannot just live off of those two plays. You, they needed to come out early, and I wrote about this on DKPittsburghSports.com with Carter's Classroom before the game. you got to open up the run with the pass when everyone's trying to stop your run because they know you can't pass. Early on, they didn't hit those deep shots. It didn't allow them to build any momentum for the run game, and that's what that's they, you continued to stagnate. But, you know, James Conner still has below-average numbers. I mean, he's, he's had a very bad start to his season. I hit you with the truth bomb there, right? That yeah. they don't ask how, they ask how many. Yes. Here's a, that, that's something that I, when I was growing up, mm-hmm. uh, I used to hear from coaches all the time. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing. What's up? And this is a, this is a common sentiment in football. You can't win a game in the first quarter. No, you can't. But you could certainly lose a game in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And San Francisco tried to lose that game. Yep. I mean, they gave the Steelers every opportunity uh, to just put them one foot in the grave. <laughs> Early on. Yep. Interception, three plays into the game. Hey, 
TJ Watt, how you doing? That guy. Right. Yeah. I tell you what, there's a lot of there's a lot of negatives and a lot of uh, a lot of bad things we got to talk about today. He's one of the good signs. Yeah, he's, uh, that guy's a, a few, monster. They, they got a few good signs. We'll get into the defensive game plan, but they got a lot of good things showing on defense. Stephon Tuitt looked like a monster. TJ Watt looked like a monster. Mika Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick looks like the truth. How you doing? But you still you still got to be able to put it together for a whole game. And granted, seventy five snaps on the field. Anybody's going to get tired at that point. You saw T.J. Watt getting there. But absolutely, T.J. Watt was beasting early. I mean, he was, get, he was, he was getting to his spots. He was winning his reps. Stephon Tuitt was, was winning the line of scrimmage. Defense was doing everything it was supposed to do in the first half. First play of the game, Matt Breda, five-yard run. Yeah. You're like, okay, hey, that's a win on first down from mm -hmm. San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Second play of the game, George Kittle. What was it, a 11 or 12-yard yep. completion? Yep. First down after mm -hmm. two plays, you're like, mm -hmm. all right, that's another win for San Francisco. Then you get a little fortunate there, though, with that interception. Yep. There's a bumble, uh, a bumble, a bumble, <laughs> a bumble. Uh, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a, uh, a juggling of the ball there by Breda. It's intercepted by T.J. Watt. All of a sudden, you're in business, and you go three plays for five yards. Yeah, that's just bad. And and, and also the way they, they didn't they didn't take a shot. You know they didn't. They didn't say, "Hey, right. let's let's get the ball to, uh, in one on one to one of our receivers." You, you got to be able to find a way to just say, "Let's get this jump ball moment." You know, and you, you go shotgun run to James Conner for which, no gain, which, which needs to stop. You go short left to Juju for negative two yards, which again they're gonna sit on your number one receiver even if he's behind the line of scrimmage. And then it's third and twelve, and you go short left to Juju again, and yeah, that gets seven yards, but that's because San Francisco's playing off the ball there. They're right. willing to let you have they're that. Playing the sticks. You kick a field goal, fine, whatever. You're up 3 nothing, But then it happens again, right? Mm -hmm. uh, two possessions later, after, by the way, your defense, yes, second time out they give up a first down, but they still get off the field after eight plays. Yep. You'll take that. Steelers punt. They go three and out after that, whatever. Niners get the ball back two plays later. And Minka Fitzpatrick, you got some splash again yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. You're in Niners territory. You're in business. You've got an opportunity to push this lead to double digits. Uh, and even that drive started with a nice gain to James Washington. Yep. So all of a sudden, you win on first down, right? You get a first down on second down with James Conner, but then it's short left, no gain. It's a short run. It's uh, the And then the Mason Rudolph, right, which was like kind of like a pseudo sack, but he's able to scramble for a yard. All of a sudden, another kick by Chris Boswell, and you're up 6 nothing. okay. But it's just, and I think maybe this is the overarching theme through the entire game if I'm trying to pick just one thing. It's an afternoon of wasted opportunities. It started, early, it started early, and it continued all, all afternoon and evening. No, I mean that's the thing when you get when you get that many plays to put the ball to get to put, say hey let's get our defense lead. And I tweeted this out during the game early. I'm like all these turnovers are great, but if they don't turn into touchdowns soon, this is gonna be bad. And, and that's certainly what happened because eventually a defense when you're creating turnovers and, and, and I'll say you know because uh, I, I debated with my boy Tony Serino on uh, Locked On Steelers about this after the game because he was like well that was, that was a gift because uh, the dude you know bobbled the pass. Tuit also was in Garoppolo's face and forced a, a a kind of you know a little different kind of a throw, which made it a, a tougher catch, which bounced off of the guy's hands, and that's how it got to Watt. And yeah, it was lucky for Watt that he was just in the right spot. But 
without Tua putting that pressure on, I think it's a much easier screen completion. And those type of things, when, when you're creating like that, the offense has to back up the defense. No build, your, build yourself a lead. And, not, and again, not a, not a three-point lead, not a four-point lead, not a seven-point lead, but like a 13, 14, 17 At least 10, at least double digits. At, at, at least double digits. Give, give the defense like, all right, it's time to pin our ears back because they need to throw the ball and we don't got to worry about the run. That never happened. And the second half, Especially that third and fourth, well, third and fourth quarter is the second half, Carter. But uh, <laughs> uh, but you saw the run game of the Niners; they just started to take over because they they could they could they were like we're, we're not we're not down by a whole lot. All we got to do is just is is keep is keep running this play and just keep getting them tired. And the defense they're gonna they're gonna be slow off the ball, and they were because again when you keep putting your defense out there snap after snap because of short drives and inefficiency on offense, you're gonna get a tired defense. I don't care what defense you are. So uh, lots of lots of questions, but you're actually right. Missed opportunities are the story of the day for the Steelers because you can't you can't get five turnovers. I mean, it, it was ridiculous when the Browns got six turnovers last year and tied the Steelers. That was embarrassing. This is just as bad, if not worse. You know, they showed that stat that everyone's talking about, right? Uh, at the end, towards the end, before the James Conner fumble, yeah. they showed that stat that teams, you know, I think it's since 2016 that had a four or, or a four or better, right? So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. a plus four or better turnover ratio in a game were like 45-0 and one, and that tie was the Steelers in the opener last year against the Browns. Yep. And hey, they didn't get into that statistical category because with the James Conner fumble, now all of a sudden you only have a plus three turnover ratio yeah. instead of a plus four. That's still mind-blowing that you're the team that was in that position twice in back-to-back years. And what's maybe even – there's a lot of <laughs> just insane statistical anomalies in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at the first downs. Steelers have 11. The Niners have 26. It's ridiculous. But what's maybe even the craziest thing to me, Carter, is that the Steelers end the game with less than 24 minutes in time of possession. Yeah, how do you do that? Less than 24 minutes when they got five turnovers. Yep. Uh, forget the points – Forget all that. Forget the, uh, you should have had some touchdowns. You settled for field goals. Maybe you should have been able to have some field goals. You weren't able to finish the drive. When your defense turns the ball over five times and you're less than 24 minutes in possession and the Niners ran, what, 21 more offensive plays. Yep. Speak the truth. Than the Steelers. It's easy for me to say, and I'm sure we'll get into this, and we got the phone lines are lighting up already. We got four or five people on hold already. The defense was good until they had to be, right? Yeah. And we'll talk about that. The defense was maybe even great, you could say, until Mm -hmm. they had to be. But at the same time, when they're on the field, it's the same thing we were talking about in Seattle, but it's even more puzzling this time because you had five turnovers. Yep. When when your defense is on the field for 21 more plays than the opposing defense. You're asking for a lot. You're gassed. Yeah. And it's why, too, to, to, to look at the other side of the coin here, you look at the Niners' defense at the end of the game, right? They're able to pin those ears back and get after Mason Rudolph yep. because they still have that juice. They still have that jump yep. because they've played 21 less snaps exactly. than the unit on the other side of the field. You're 100% right. I mean, again, the Steelers' defense is on the field, 79 snaps of football. <laughs> that's I, I, Big 12 football. That's Big 12 football. And, and, and as you can could, you could say, well, they, they got to be in shape or whatever. I, I'm sorry. That's why T.J. Watt was getting – I mean, the, at one point, the Niners were running to his side, and his side is the one side on the Steelers' defense. You know, Bud will sometimes make that play, but T.J. Watt always made that play. 
But in the in, in that in that fourth quarter, you saw they were coming right at him and what trying his best, but you don't get fresh legs, especially at pass rushers and defensive line. You're gonna get crushed because now the offensive line is playing downhill. They're the ones that feel comfortable. And, and with defense, you, you need fresh legs out there. You know, the 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 Niners defense played 53 snaps. 53 snaps. That's why they were at the end, like you said, at the end of the game, they're able to, okay, we're fresh. We're ready to go. You you really saw it in that fourth quarter, man. And, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about the offensive line in depth here, too. But, you know, this is like our opening monologue. We're just touching on everything oh, yeah. here. You watch as the game goes along, and it, it was it's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And granted, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm poo-pooing these guys because that San Francisco D line is good. Oh yeah, they got a, they got some they got a lot of top five picks on that D line. They got a lot of first rounders. They even bring in D Ford, a former first round guy in free agency this mm-hmm. offseason. Mm-hmm. But as that game went along, particularly in the second half and in the fourth quarter, Nick Bosa and D Ford were that having their way with Villanueva and Matt Filer. Yep, and it's because. A combination of they're still fresh, mm-hmm. and in that stage of the game, when now the Steelers are, are playing from behind and trying to score points, those guys know they're just pinning their ears back and going after Mason Rudolph. Absolute, and it's not absolutely. like they need to be scared of the run game, even if they get caught anyways. Why right. would they be? Right, and that's the thing. They're not scared of the run game, and, and, and again, they're not scared of the, they're not scared of, of, be, of being caught off guard by, with the pass game. But look at I mean, look at Filer throughout the game. He was getting whipped. And this is the thing is that you knew when you didn't, when you let go, when you sent Gilbert away, and, and rightfully so. Gilbert is, is so banged up at this point in his career. He's already out for the season, you know, in Arizona. But uh, but you look you look at you look at Gilbert and, and then you look at Filer. There's definitely a drop-off from when Gilbert was good. And they didn't get another guy. You thought, hey, Matt Filer, he's going to be yeah, – you're, you're not going to live up to an all-pro tackle or or even like a, a high-quality tackle, but he's going to at least – But for the, a guy out of Bloomsburg. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. But you're not expecting him to, 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 to get beat – that bad and he was he was he was just they were just running d4 was just working around and that's what d4 is supposed to do right that's why they that's why they paid that's why they paid him the big dollars and uh even though you know he, he couldn't uh lined up off sides. Li- yeah they thanks, lined- thanks a lot d4 <laughs> just line up on side last year in january and we don't have to watch the patriots and tom brady win that sixth ring yeah and who knows maybe he's still in kansas city if he doesn't do that but oh. uh but uh, yeah that's another story but then on on, on the flip side villanueva uh, last year, for for years, I would always, always, always saying Villanueva has so much potential, but he had such slow starts to his career. Last year, that went away. It looked like he had a really good start to to, to his to his season, and I was like, all right, man, Villanueva, you you seem like you're getting it. This year, it's back to that slow start. You know, he was downfield on the one play to James Washington when he shouldn't have been. He's uh, he was getting beat several times. I, I think the tackle position right now on the offensive line is a lot more of a liability than people want to admit. You know, people are saying, oh, it's the offensive line. I think. Pouncey, DeCastro, and Foster are, are are fine right now. I think there's the, the interior line is still the interior line. They're doing their thing. Villanueva and Filer, uh, they're struggling. I think Villanueva will turn it around. I, I'm a little questionable about Filer. He they kind of they kind of won in spite of him a few times last year. Like on the on the Ben Roethlisberger Jaguars touchdown. When when Roethlisberger, I think it was Telvin Smith, he beat to get into the end zone. Filer, that was Filer's guy. And, and there's a one point Filer's like going up to him, and he just whiffs, and then he just looks back and like, oh my gosh, Ben's gonna get killed. But then Ben Roethlisberger did what he does and and got into the end zone. Any, anyways, that's I think Filer's not exactly the guy. He's a good backup. He's a good guy to to fill in. But they need a, he's I think, a good utility guy. You think? Yeah, because yeah. he can also play guard, and that's what you want on the offensive line. Guys that you like can Josh move. Harrison out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going Josh. Well, you Harrison. know, like circa 2013, 14. Yeah, Josh yeah. Back Harrison. when he was like running between shortstop and third base and just making them miss all the time. But uh, but yeah. So 
that's the thing. I think that's the value that he has, but I think they they do need to go get at some point. I'm not saying, I'm not saying trade right now for the season, but I think for the future, you're seeing you might need a, a really good right tackle uh, to to boost the offensive line because when Gilbert was in that position, the off, the, the offense was great. I want to stick with that because we, we got some questions here on the phone lines about Chooks, about the offensive line, about the run game. So let's get more in-depth into that when we return. 412-919-1316. If you want to chime in on the phone lines, you can also get at us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, filling in for Tunch and Wolf. You are in the locker room. Wesley Euler, Chris Carter in for Tunch and Wolf on this Monday. I've just been waiting to say Victory Monday here, Chris, for yeah, it's, three weeks. It's been, it's, been, it's been a hot minute, man. It's been, a, it's, it's. I mean, it just feels so long. I just want to come in. You watch on. You ever watch Entourage HBO show? Uh, I, I've I've only seen clips. I've never like I never sat through and finished the entire show. Okay, so the, you know the main character, yeah. Vinny Chase, his yeah. brother's Johnny Drama. Mm-hmm. He has this, you know, this scene or this this phrase that he uses all the time, which is victory, right? Like, yeah. that's like one of his words. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene in one of the episodes where he gets a big job with a TV network. Ooh. And he's like at the Grand Canyon and he just stops and, you know, full on screams, victory! <laughs> and like, I just, you know, like Moats and I kind of made that a thing. Like, you know, we'd come in on Mondays after a win. And you. you're like, you know, we had a big victory yell after the Patriots victory. Like, oh, yeah, that's a big one. Like, i just been waiting to come in here on a Monday. I, I, like, Ooh. I, I, like I've got all this victory pended, pent up in me, you know. Yep, I, yep. It's, it's tough. Not, it's tough. It, it, it's it's a rough thing right now. I mean, you you're, you're looking for any and not just the, not just no victory, but there's nothing. There's no foundation right now that you could say, man. Well, this part of the team's good right now because the ground game isn't there, the pass game isn't there. The, the we talked about individual players yeah. too, right? Like you can feel good about Tua, you can feel good about Watt, you right. can feel good about Minka. Yeah. But you don't not, feel good about the defense as a unit. No, you don't. And 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 you can say, well, they've been in some rough spots these last few games because the offense, okay, but still, they're giving up a ridiculous amount of points. Um, and, and at some point, somebody needs to be able to be able to to balance that out, and they just have not. And that's going to be continue to be a problem uh, until until the offense gets solved. And I don't think this offense is getting solved anytime soon. Maybe sometime this season, but I think it's it's a little high to expect them to fix fix things in the next couple weeks uh granted they do play the Bengals next week so maybe that's the chance where you're gonna victory tuesday because that's gonna be monday night football that's true i'm gonna have to switch up my uh my routine <laughs> yeah, steelers open well, as four point favorites in that game by the way okay i might hammer that now yeah i think that spread, that, will, yeah. that spread will grow a little bit i think so too i think there's gonna be um and especially, I think you're going to see a lot more of the Steelers. I, I'll tell you what, I did really, I mean, the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick was all over the place in just less than a week of practice with a new team, I think it's a very good sign that he could be on his way. Um, I, I think one of, one of the main things that hasn't materialized yet for the Steelers is definitely the inside linebackers, though. Mm-hmm. Look at You look at Mark Barron. Looked rough in coverage, and uh, Dale our, Dale Lolly, our, our guy from DK Pittsburgh Sports, and he's on SNR all the time as well, uh, he he, inter- he interviewed Barron after the game, and he was asking him what happened with the the pass interference play. And he's like, "Oh man, I, I ran into him. I tried not." I, uh, I, I saw that. Yeah, I, I, and then I went back and watched that play about seven times. <sighs> it's not a clear cut hundred percent penalty. No, it's it's not clear cut. But and I do think he was a little rough. But, but Barron also kind of made it sound like oh, George Kittle just ran into me, and there was nothing I could do. Right. I don't know if I saw it that way it, either. Um, you got to be a little bit more. 
better cognizant of that city. Well, yeah, better yeah, and better, better in coverage. coverage. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the point blank period way to put it. But I think particularly on a third and long, because that was what third and eleven, third and twelve. Yep. yep. You just got to be a little more cognizant there, especially too, because it looked like he had safety help on mm-hmm. all the replays that I watched. Mm-hmm. Hey, if 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 uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to drop in a perfect 17, 18 yard gonna, pass on on third pass. and eleven or third and twelve, yep. I, I'd much rather have that be the way that you kind of go down than give him a five yard holding penalty and yeah. extend the drive. And and, and it, what it really looked like what I saw was he got beat by the route and he tried to recover really quickly and then Kittle did stop for a second or he slowed up because he thought he, he he was trying to he was he saw the safety and he said let me slow up here and see if Jimmy can get me. Um, and then when that happened, Barron in his, I think, trying to overreact to get back on on his man, um, you saw him like speed up. And when when Kittle slowed down, that's when he did bump into him. And then it looked like he was trying to keep himself up and not not Kittle down and draw the obvious flag. And in doing so, he, you know, he held on to him, and that's what drew the referee's attention. I, I you know, I did think it was a questionable call. But... I did, like I said, it was not certainly a penalty, right? But I don't think it was as. Oh, I mean, there was nothing I could do there. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of barren. It, this isn't like to Joe Hayden against the Saints last year, right? Right. The, right. Yeah, this, this was a thing. Like, well, you know what? That it, when you when you look at it, there was at least there was reasonable. You know, you I know. agree with them that it was kind of incidental when they made contact. Yeah. But then it looks like Barron held on to him there for for right. a second. You gave me probable cause. And, and, and the ref's standing right there, 10 yards away mm-hmm. from him, looking right at yep. him. You hold on to him yep. for a second there, and I think that's going to get called more often than not. Again, I'm with you. It wasn't a clear-cut, egregious penalty. Um, but it's just it's, it's continuing to maybe not put themselves in the most opportune moments. And maybe this. I said we were going to talk about offensive line here, but now you got me going. Uh, yep, yep. Sorry about that. <laughs> for as well as the defense played for the majority of that game, and I think they did, and you and I talked about, too, how just the amount of time they were on the field and the amount of snaps that they had to take plays into this, too. But it seems like, right, for as well as the defense played, just big picture here, they were. I said this to you in the first segment. They were good until they had to be. Yep. And doesn't that kind of seem like I'm thinking big picture here that that's kind of been a theme over the last two years. Yeah. Uh, you saw it in Oakland last year. You mm-hmm. saw it in Denver last year. You mm-hmm. saw it in New Orleans last year. Mm-hmm. Where it's like the defense is good until they have to be, and they just for for a multitude of reasons i'm not mm. saying it's always squarely on their shoulders well okay. but they ca- but they can't hold a lead late again no I, I think it is it is a theme it is something that you have to look at and this is what you know a lot of people look at keith butler and be like what are you doing at the end of games what's going wrong there you saw it in seattle last you saw week it in too seattle I mean, last I'm week yeah it. i mean yeah it, it's becoming a theme over the last two years and it, again I'm, uh, seattle there were extenuating circumstances mm-hmm, the, the offense mm-hmm, couldn't mm-hmm. sustain drives last week the defense was out on the field way too much last week mm-hmm. but again it's easier to excuse those in a vacuum right but when you're looking big picture it's becoming a trend it, 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 it is a trend i uh, you know i think it, it's it's it has been and that's the truth but I, I think also when you look at um when you when you look at how how the nfl kind of is this is where the league's kind of gone too. I look at I look at a lot of quarterbacks doing this. I mean, even the Steelers back in their Dick LeBeau days, there were a lot of fourth quarter comebacks that people were just like, "Oh, that happened! How did they give up that play? This is so stupid." Um, and it, it's really and that's really picked up over the past, I'd say, 
six or seven years mm-hmm. in the NFL. And and you see guys like Tim Tebow. That's what that's what that's what that's what kept him around at Denver for so long. At the end of the games, defenses would be crushing him. But then when they opened up the offense and you know defenses had to choose, and he he and he got one drive, he could put it together. Um, you know it's it, you know it's I think that's been a theme. But right now it's absolutely a theme with the Steelers. And I, I think a big part of it is because they aren't they haven't done a good job of of sort of managing drives, you know, on the opposite side of the ball, which again, you're, you, as the defense, you can't do much about that. No. Um, I also think we take it, you can take away the ball six times now. Six, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, six times, then we would have got you. But and see, and that, that's why I can't be too mad at the defense. What I will no, say, no, I can't either. What, what what I will say though is that there are times that there is a little bit of late reaction out there. I, you know, I did a Carter's classroom, you know, for this morning. If you go on DKPittsburghSports.com, I, I wrote about the running defense being gassed. Plugging it. Gassed and gashed to go check us out right now. Um, but, you know, on there, I read, I was writing about, like, here's some basic run plays where the Niners just ran right at the Steelers and were able to, to just, you know, get those easy yards without forcing Jimmy Garoppolo's hand in a game where there were a lot of turnovers. Um, and a lot of those runs were, hey, let's pull this guard to the other side of the field and T.J. Watt not able to close down on that space and the guard kind of kicks him out. But not only that, both Bush and Barron were slow to follow the the, the guard and get and get to their space. And that allowed Juszczyk as a fullback to get up in there, get get a get a good pad level on Bush five yards out, mm-hmm. and that's what opens up the space for, space for Mostert that to get his yards. That is a problem. Yeah. I mean, and he, he – He's not a Steelers killer, but he's a Steelers annoyance. Cause no like, doubt. Goes he back with, to his Baltimore when, days. When he was with the Ravens. I mean, if it wasn't for the crazy comeback they had in that game where T.J. Watt you know, forced the sack and fumble that, that rolled out of bounds, Juszczyk would have been the hero because he's the guy that put the Ravens up before the Steelers took the lead back. That's a good call. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you, I mean, he's just he, – he's, he's been a killer. But this is also why I think fullback is such an important position when you want to establish the ground game and, uh, and, and, and you can do it. And that's why I think the Steelers really miss Roosevelt Knicks right now. Um, you know, if you were able to line line him up in front of Connor, of course they didn't exactly do that against the Patriots, but you know that's another story. But um, you know that that's something that I saw against this defense. They were just a little slow, and that allowed this 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 Niners this Niners front and their fullback Ustex to get out in front of them, create the space, and you didn't need Mostert to be like you know Mostert's. I wouldn't say he's better than James Connor, but he had more space late because the Steelers defense was a little gassed, a little slow off the ball, and that's when that's what that that's that's what happens, and the communication's a little late. Um, and and you need to be able to get guys to those holes. They just didn't, and uh, that's absolutely a problem right right now for the, for this defense. And it'll continue to be a problem until they find a way. All right, we know we're getting gas, but we need to talk better. We need to when we when you see a pulling guard. I mean, that's the that's the number one thing from a linebacker. If I'm on a guard and he's on my side and I see him pull, I know the play's going that way. And my job is either to get shooting his gap and follow him on his backside, or jump across the uh, across the the line and get to the gap where I think they're going. Um, you know. And support the, the linebacker next to me, or if I am the linebacker that's on that side, get out in front of it. And they just, especially late, they didn't do any of that. It's there's a lot to be encouraged by by the defense, as we've talked about, and, and particularly I think right when you look in a vacuum, yeah, that man, their performance in the first half should have been enough to bury San Francisco. Like I like I told you in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. You can't win a game in the first quarter. No, but you first can lose one. first period, first half, whatever mm-hmm. sport we're talking about here. But you can lose one. Yeah, and San Francisco put themselves in position to lose that game early yep. on. Yep, and for a multitude of reasons, the Steelers couldn't take advantage. More of that on the offense and the defense early, obviously. Another thing, though, like right when we're talking about bigger picture versus just looking in a vacuum with the defense, 
Uh, turnovers aside, early success aside, they got to be better at getting off the field on third downs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, better than 50% conversion rate for San Francisco yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if there's some indicators here, too, I think, Chris, that if you look at it, maybe as a little more pessimistic, right? Or maybe as a glass half empty mm-hmm. type way. You take away the turnovers. This could have been a, a double-digit win for San Francisco oh, yeah, when you look absolutely. at some of these other six for eleven on third downs. They almost doubled the Steelers' total yardage. They ran twenty-two. I said twenty-one. They ran twenty-two more plays than the Steelers. They averaged one point three more yards per play than the Steelers. You take away that big gain to Juju. I'm sure that that that, that numbers even more mm-hmm. of a gap there. They outgained the Steelers by over a hundred yards in passing game. They outgained the Steelers by. Almost over a hundred yards in the running game. I, I don't know. Mark chimes in here too, along this discussion of the defense being good until they have to be. Is there maybe a mindset of playing not to lose rather than playing to win at certain times? I, uh, you know, you gotta wonder that. But I think part of that means that they aren't blitzing, and um, uh, and, and, you know, part part of that is about is is about they they need to get after the quarterback and that's the thing like we were talking about when you're when you're on the field for seventy plays you're not you're not exactly at your best to get after the quarterback and, right and and, and here's and, and I I do I, you know I do want to look at the, look at the look at the all twenty two more and see where what the Steelers were doing with their secondary just like how the nine what the Niners were, do, were doing with their secondary uh, but I, I got the impression that. Um, I, I got the impression that they were trying to get after him, and and they were just picking up the blitz. And, and there were a few times where uh, the the liners the, the Niners offense the offensive line they just hey communicate bang. And, and part of that's also the quarterback, you know, being able to identify hey blitz is coming from this side, and and and, and then the offensive line's like okay we're protecting that side now, bang. And he's and and, and now you got that locked up because there were times that I, I saw Minka Fitzpatrick trying to get into the backfield. They're and they're using that guy at every. That's they one are. thing. They, they were not afraid to say hey Minka play free safety. Hey Minka play slot hey make a blitz in no. a week where he said hey, just please anchor me down at one position right first. right but he certainly looked capable he, and this thing, he looked good in all those did spots you see what he did to george kittle in the second half oh my george goodness. kittle was rather quiet in yeah, the second half yeah. after lighting it up in the first and, half and i'm a little mad because i find i i play some fan duel i do wpxi we do our fantasy football insider with albie Oxenrider, mm-hmm. and i always do a fan duel lineup and i made a switch in the middle of the week when i heard deontay johnson was the starter because I had James Washington as as, on, as my third receiver. So I, when DeAndre Johnson was not the starter, I said, let me plug him in. Ooh, I got some more money. Let's put in George Kittle this week. I mean, Eric Gray, you know, it's, it's just, it's got to happen. He's a tight end. It's the Steelers. You know, and he's a big, he's like the, he's the next Gronk, right? Everyone's talking about this guy. And no touchdowns. And I'm just like, what the heck? But Nick Fitzpatrick and a little bit of Terrell Evans, too, I think, that they did a really good job uh, working on, on, on him and you know he still put up yards he still had good numbers but he didn't dominate this game yeah. I mean and, and and I think the well, the one passing touchdown was 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 Dante Pettis sounds right yeah so I I, I think yeah yeah uh yeah uh yeah uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, do we have mm. Jeopardy music do, 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 do. yeah Dante Pettis Dante five Pettis. yards oh look at me I look know I know my stuff look at you hello um but uh but yeah I mean uh it's I, I think I think that yeah they, they address the tight end position position a little bit better Minka Fitzpatrick definitely make, making plays and definitely being all be, being all over the place um so I mean there's there's some answers to this defense but um you know I, I'm not sure I'm not so sure it's that they're not trying to be aggressive late I think it's that they 
they're not good at it being aggressive late hmm. because they their guys are gas. And when you saw they tr- when they tried to give uh when they when they tried to give their 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 guys a break, uh you know, you saw Dan McCullers get it, get in there a few times. Uh you know, I, I think Dan McCullers he played 20 snaps in this game. I think it's the most that he's played in a game. Alulu was out there a lot too. Alulu was out out there and you, you didn't see them really changing the line of scrimmage or or holding down their gas. And plenty of those those same run plays we're talking about, right? Where the guards pulling when the guard's pulling, the, the rest of the – so say say you're looking at an offensive line. And picture it in your head, listeners. You got the left guard pulling to the right side. That right side of the line is crashing to the left because they're saying, hey, we're going to give this guard space to kick out that guy on the, that guy on the edge, and that's going to give our fullback time to get to the inside linebacker and our running back time to hit that hole. It is the job of the, of the defensive line that is being crashed down to hold that spot, to not give them that space, and that way the hole isn't there. And several times – it was just it was just there, and a lot of times it was McCullers and Alulu were getting gassed, gashed like that. And then even at, at, at first, Tuit wasn't letting that happen, and Hayward wasn't letting that happen. But when they when he, when they had to put them back out there, it wasn't looking good. And and uh, I think it's just just the reality. Dan McCullers, you know, he's on, he's out there because he's big. You know, and, 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 and he's been on scholarship for a long time. Exactly. It's like, you know, and Steelers fans for years. Are he's like, like a sixth year senior at this point. Right. Yeah. Sixth. Sixth. Yeah. That's like, a tougher word to say than sixth. a sixth. 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 Sixth year senior. Say that six times fast. No, uh, I'm afraid I would say something wrong there. Um, but, uh, but, if, but, but no, look, but you look at that and it's just if you're not changing the line of scrimmage, if you're not holding down your gap. That that that's a hurt piece, and it forces Keith Butler and and and, and the guys to be like, we got to put Cam and Tuit back out there and Hargrave back out there, um, and, and it's just it's it's been a rough go early because those those are the guys those are the guys you want you know when when to have fifty snaps in the game you know or you know with the total defense which means they probably got closer to 35, 40 snaps right, and then in the fourth quarter Tuit go get that guy because right. right now Tuit has three and a half sacks through three games that's a really good pace to be on. Yeah, and we we mentioned it. He's he's certainly one of the bright spots with this defense right now. Before we go to break here, I want to get some quick reaction uh, on the phone lines. We got people chiming in all over the place. Let's go to Lincoln in Seattle. He wants to talk about the Steelers' defense. What's up, Lincoln? Hey, Wes, how you doing? And uh, uh, Carter, Mr. Carter, how, yes, you, sir. how you doing? Thank you for letting me be on the radio station. Um, I um, didn't watch the game. I heard the game on the radio, and um, – I think this is going to be like all year that um, that Rudolph's is going to um, – they're just going to blitz him all the time until he can beat the blitz and throw some short passes to get some momentum going. I think that would help the defense out immensely. Um, what do you guys think? And um, the tight end position, I that yeah. just – James, we should have kept. We should have kept. We should have kept them. And but hey, thank you guys, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Lincoln. Thanks for chiming in all the way. From, I'm sure it's been a rough couple of weeks for Lincoln out in Seattle. <laughs> oh my losing, gosh, Ugh. losing to the he's uh, on Seahawks. the West Coast. Now you lose to the Niners. That's Ugh. that's a rough couple of weeks. Keep, yeah. your, keep your chin up there, Lincoln. Yeah. Hang in there, Lincoln. You know, you, you know, Steelers faithful, faithful. Stick, stick, stick it through. But okay. But yeah, no, we said like, listen, as much as as. Uh, fairly, the defense is going to get their criticism this week. It's yeah. also on the all these things are full circle. It, yeah. It's give and take. It's it's a it's a it's a fifty fifty relationship. Yeah. When your offense is on the field for less than twenty four minutes, when your offense is running twenty two plays yep. less than the other team, yep. uh, when your offense gets into the red zone one time in the entire game, yep. one time, yep. It, 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 
yeah, I mean, I don't care if you got the 85 Bears defense out there. It's it's you're gonna be in some unopportune situation. Yeah, and, and it's going to create problems when you when play after play, especially when you keep finding ways to win after ways to win. This is the NFL. An offense is going to balance that out, and, and especially in today's NFL. Right. I mean, come come on. Like you you look at this situation that they got, and you know, and, and, and like how quarterbacks are highly protected, receivers are highly protected. You know, they're they're, they're you know they're they're calling more pass interference, and now they're even reviewing if pass interference even happened. You know, and that was a big play against the Seahawks. Offenses are going to start figure things out, especially when you're winning early. Um, and usually, that's how it balances out in the NFL. You know, and right. I, I always I always say that when you know when a team when they've been dominating and they're only up seven ten points, you're like, that's uh, I, if I'm the team that's down, I'm feeling comfortable right now because we haven't played our best game of football and we can come back. And, and that's where the, that's what that's where the Niners were the entire time when the defense was kicking their butts up and down the field, mm-hmm. creating turnover after turnover, and then when they were gifting turnover after turnover, but the Steelers couldn't put, couldn't put the points on the board that that said, hey, you got to be on the ropes and you guys got to start to get desperate. The Niners were always allowed to remain in their comfort zone. Hey, let's run the ball. Hey, let's try this play action over the middle. Hey, let's not take these deep shots into double coverage and hope that, that, that Kittle can pull pull down this. This miracle catch. Uh, so, so I, I absolutely think that's definitely part of it. So that's a, that's a great point, Lincoln. Um, as far as as far as Jesse James, though, I, you know, I, I hear you. I hear you. He kind of priced himself out. Exactly. I mean, good, good for him. Yeah, I mean, great, great for him. But right now, you know, he's uh, he he he's he's way too much. I mean, if 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 the lion like the lions with the deal that they signed him to, if they cut him right now, they'd had ten point five million dollars in dead in dead money. Like. The Steelers just couldn't afford to pay a second tight end, especially when you got people like Joe Hayden, Ben right. Roethlisberger, and, and an offseason where you brought in Mark Barron and right. Dante Moncrief and, and, Steven, and Nelson, Steven Nelson, who has played very well. I give I give Steven Nelson a lot of credit so far with how he started this season, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Lincoln asked there about the tight ends. We got some more uh, uh, questions on the phones and on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques Hit about about the tight ends and the offensive line. Let's get into that when we return. Four one two nine one nine thirteen sixteen. The digits to dial if you want to hop on the phone line. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler in for Tunch and Wolf in the locker room here on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. A ton of participation here on a Monday, and why not? I mean, everyone's just trying to get it off their chest. We got phone calls at 412-919-1316. We got tweets at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. And a lot of questions about the offensive line. A lot of questions about tight ends. Of course, a lot of questions about James Conner. Mamas, mamas, babies, mamas. Before we get into that <laughs> specifically, we've had a couple tweets about optimism here. Mr. Carter. Yeah. Uh, our buddy David chimes in. Hey, David. If Chick could make a tackle on third and long and Connor holds onto the rock yesterday, this team could easily be two and one. We need work, but it's fixable. I, I agree. I also wrote down in my, you know, I do a game notes page on my laptop, there you, you know, every time the Steelers play where I just, you know, thought, furiously <laughs> type thoughts as the game's going along. There you go. My very last one that I wrote down yesterday, Mr. Carter. Mm-hmm. Steelers are 0 and 3. But those three teams that they lost to are a combined eight and one. Yep. Where that only losses to the Saints. Yep. An NFC Super Bowl favorite. Optimism? Or are we reaching? No, I think there's definitely optimism. And especially when, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, if we're talking about optimism, we're also talking about what's the record gonna be. You know, that's what that's what everyone wants to wants to know about. And when you look at the Steelers schedule, 
This has been the roughest part of it. They face Tom Brady in his crib where only two active quarterbacks have even beaten him. And one of them is now on the bench for Daniel Jones. Um, but, uh, you, you you look at the rest of their schedule and you're thinking you got you got you got a decent lineup. You got the Bengals twice and that and better it, be two wins and, and it has to be two wins. And I know it's different because this is Mason Rudolph. This isn't Ben Roethlisberger anymore. And that's that does change the dynamics. But even still, you got to find a way to win those games. And as bad as like the 49ers played, the Bengals have been a lot sloppier in their games. And you got them at home. Um, the Ravens, I don't think that those are those going to be gimme games because I think the Ravens are playing well. Yeah. They, 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 but the Steelers. Chip, you can split there. Yeah. You, you, if you can split those. You know, at the Chargers, okay, that, that that's going to be rough. But home against the Dolphins, home against the Colts. Home against the Rams. Colts is Colts is tough. Colts is tougher than even, it's going to be. Even with Jacoby Brissett, that's still a right, good team. Right. They, 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 Jacoby Brissett they got looked a, good yesterday. He looked really good. And Quentin Nelson is a man-eater. He One just, of the best he, offensive he, linemen he in the league. people all Their yeah. defense. I mean, Malik Hooker, Darius Leonard. They yeah, got playmakers. Malik Hooker, man. Newcastle zone. Yeah, man. He's come on real strong. Proud of, proud of that seeing that dude succeed. But again, you look at some of these things. Browns twice. Bengals at, you know, at the Cardinals, which is Usually a home game for the Steelers. If you've ever been out there, it is ridiculous. So real quick, I mean, we keep punting this offensive line and James Conner discussion further down the field. But you got me thinking now, right? Okay, you get the Bengals twice more, right? That's Mm -hmm. two wins. At least it should be. Cardinals, that's a W. Jets, that's a W. Miami, that's a W. That's five wins right there. Yeah. You split with the Ravens and the Browns, Mm -hmm. that's seven wins. Yeah. And then you've got, what are the left games? The Chargers, the Bills, and uh, and you you said the Jets and so yeah, I said Chargers, the Jets, and the Bills. Chargers and the Bills. Those yeah. are the other two games. I mean, you split those. You're eight and eight. You're eight and eight. And and what would be crazy is if this team dug its way out. I mean, that's the, think about it. Oh, I forgot the Colts too. The Colts. Like, well, yeah, we, we talked about the yeah. Colts. You split. You split those games. You you can if you go even though they go like you know one and one and two in those games. That's you're that's still eight, eight and eight. You're eight and eight. And that's that's what this team if they can get back to uh, you know 2013. When they went 0 and 4 in that season, mm-hmm. and they dug their way be, to be, being out back to 8 and 8, that's a comeback season. It showed that they were resilient. They made adjustments, and, and much like how, much like how last the end of last season, when everyone's talking about we're right now, the last I think it was the last what nine games, Tom and the Steelers are two and seven, and they're talking about that. Well, you know that was the same thing with 2012. You know I think that was the we're gonna unleash hell in December and all and, and, and that stuff in, in 2012, and then in 2013 and, and leading into 2013, they were still just you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel, not able to get put wins together. They started off 0 4, but then they built that. They figured some things out, built some momentum, and going into t- and, and they finished out the year eight and eight. And then 2014, they got back to winning the division, and then they were then they competed for the next four or five years, which now got got us into now. I think maybe that's the cycle that you're seeing them in right now. Is they gotta they gotta find an identity. And back then they didn't have an identity. You know, Lamar Woodley was you know was still was still on the defense, and they just weren't figuring things out with the pass rush. The offense was just getting Le'Veon Bell. And Antonio Brown into their into the fold and figuring out how that's going to work. I think that's where they're at right now. Is that they gotta they gotta use the thing. The good thing is that none of these teams on the bottom on the bottom of their schedule are like are like the Chiefs, are like the Patriots, are like the Saints, are like the and even even the Seahawks. I mean, I, I'll give I'll say the Rams could be like the Seahawks. I I personally I, I'm not a believer in Jared Goff. Um, I, I think I, I and I think last night. You know the the B- Baker Mayfield almost beating, almost tying them at the end there. Uh, I I just 
I'm not sold on the Rams being all that. I think they're about to have a Super Bowl blues year. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I can see them losing that game because that team does have a lot of talent and makes you honor a lot of different things. But, I mean, some of these AF, – they're going to get the, is, the gamut of AS, AFC East teams that aren't the Patriots. Is the Rams – I know the Chargers game is in L.A. Is the Rams game here? Rams is that, game's here. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, man. That, I still see eight or nine wins on that schedule. I really do. It's a, it's a chance, man. It's a chance. And, and and I know people are going to be like, oh, you guys are so stupid. You can't win. They can't win. They can't win one game in the first three. Listen, again, look at the quarterbacks they face. They're all franchise guys that are already established. Jimmy Garoppolo, and honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have his best game. He came up big in the end. It's and, true. And, and Richard Sherman was like, you know, they defied Murphy's Law because, you know, they, they, they hung in there. And, and they deserve credit for that. But – you know how how many times they're gonna how many more times they're gonna face a quarterback that's like Tom Brady and like like Russell Wilson? They may be the two best they 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 face this season when you look when you look across the board. Now Philip Rivers, yeah, of course, but I've I've always been like a guy that's like you know Philip Rivers. There's some days he's really good, and some other days it seems like he just can't put it all together. Yeah. I'm just I'm not sold on him. You know Baker Mayfield, I I think. I think we're you know, we're we're seeing this season a little bit more of what it's like when people can plan plan around how to stop him. Mm-hmm. A lot of winnable games. I think so too. I I I don't want to say that I'm completely, you know, my cup is overflowing with optimism, but you know, I'm not I'm not ready to dig my own grave yet. Not just yet. Let's talk to Juan. I'm a I'm not positive. I don't know if Juan made the trip to yesterday's game. I'm not <laughs> sure, but he wants to talk about yesterday's game and the offensive line. What's happening, Juan? Hey, buddy. What's going on? Were you at the game yesterday, Juan? Or am I misremembering? No, I wasn't at the game yesterday. Okay, what you got for us, buddy? Hey, I just want to say that um, this offensive line, what's, what's up with Chooks? He hasn't had a hat all season. Um, Jalen Samuels, yesterday, no touches. And the tight end, ridiculous, is just ridiculous. Besides McDonald, we don't have a legit number two. I mean, once McDonald was out the game, the passing game was too, because it looked like Mason and Mason and some got a good connection going on. What do you guys got to say about that? Well, thank you, Juan. That's some great points there. I'm, I'm going to start with Jalen Samuels. I am befuddled, confused, uh, you know, and and just I don't understand why he didn't get a single touch or a single target. Right, and it's and, not like he, he was he got what twelve or fifteen snaps. Exactly. So it's not like he wasn't on the field at all. Right. They they tried to put for him, a dozen plays. Right. They tried to put him out there, but he he wasn't involved in the offense at all. That is bizarre to me. And. Benny Snell got carries before him, particularly when you're running out of the shotgun. Right, and that's where that's where he, as an H back guy, that's where it makes sense. Put him, put it, put him out there. And you know, as far as the tight end, yeah, they're hurting out there. And this, this is this is what everyone knew. If Vance McDonald went down, it was going to be really slim pickings for the Steelers. And if he's down for an extended period of time, woof, it's it's going to be rough. I'll say in the first couple games, I haven't really looked close at the blocking for for Grimble this game. But the first couple games when he was sprinkled in there, he threw some decent blocks. I was like, okay, okay, Grimble, you're at least blocking well. But he ended up dropping this game, so. I do think it's going to be a hurt piece at the tight end position. And as far as a core for, yeah, Chooks, you know, you know, you got to wonder what's going on. My biggest criticism of him is that I think he does a great job at getting his feet in the right place and, and getting to his spot. But he's he's too he's too passive. That's the problem. Yeah, and uh, and and too many times guys will overpower him because he doesn't he doesn't have that killer factor at the offensive tackle position where he just buries somebody. Maybe that's why he's not out there, but. With the way Fowler's playing, it's a good point, Juan. Maybe you got to give him a look. Man, well, I, I with the way everybody's playing, maybe it's time. Yeah, yeah there's a lot. There's a lot. From TJ Watts, Stephon Tuitt, and Minka Fitzpatrick. 
<laughs> oh, man. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler with you here in the locker room. In for Tunch and Wolf as the two old fogies Woo. got the day off. Yes, they did. We did this, uh, was it after the Patriots game, right? Yeah. When you and I did the, did yep. the Monday show, sort of been two weeks ago today. Uh-huh. Um, the loyal listeners, right? The fans, they know we do this thing on Mondays a lot of time. Professor Motes, Motes, is, <laughs> you know, Motes is, uh, you know, Professor Motes in the in the classroom with Professor Motes, Motes Monday. Um, but we have Professor Carter here. Yes, I am with us today, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna do a little special edition of Carter's classroom when we come back here. We're going to uh, continue to talk about the offense here. So I think yeah. – I know we spent a lot of time with the defense first. We've gotten, again, a ton of questions about the O-line, about the tight ends, about Mason Rudolph. When we come back here, I know you want to talk about specifically Mason Rudolph and his post-snap reads. Yeah. And I know that relates to, obviously, the offensive line and a lot of other factors going on too. So let's get into that when we return. We will also go heavy into your reaction in the second hour. On the phone lines, 412-919-1316 are the digits to dial if you want to jump on. On Twitter, we got a ton of tweets here. At Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. We will get into all of that when we return. Wesley Euler and Chris Carter, we are in for Tunch and Wolf Inside the Locker Room, a special edition of Carter's Classroom when we return here. You are in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. It is certainly a get-it-off-your-chest Monday here. Everyone wants to talk about the defense, the tight ends, the offensive line, James Conner, Mason Rudolph, Minka Fitzpatrick. Did I miss anything? No, I, I think – well, yeah, you did. You, you missed everything. I'm sure Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to talk about Mike Tomlin and because of you know, the fire Tomlin tweets were – Yeah, the coaching, the coaching staff too. Yeah, absolutely. You know the one thing that they don't want to talk about? Of think? course. The special teams. Special <laughs> <laughs> At least the punting and the kicking has been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Boswell looks like the man, and this is why I said hey, last year you can't year, be any better than what four for four. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's 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 hitting it. And I, I'll give. And this is why I said don't cut Boswell last year. Put him on IR. Obviously, something was wrong with him. He's looked cash money so far this year. Granted, hasn't really been put in a super clutch situation where he's had to or win the game. It's not like game. he's had a boot of fifty five yarder or something. Right. But hey. But he's hitting the kicks that he wasn't hitting last year. That's something to, that's something to say you right now. You can't do any better than 100%. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of 100%, that wasn't a grade that I got very often in school. <laughs> I know you did. That's why you went to Pitt and I went to WVU. <laughs> so that's why I'm going to let you you're giving throw, me a lot down, of credit here. <laughs> throw down the lesson here. Uh, if you follow Chris, if you're familiar with his work with DK Pittsburgh Sports, he does a thing called Carter's Classroom. And so uh, in lieu of uh, Professor Moat's Monday today, it's a perfect little uh, – perfect little – I don't know. I don't even want to call it a filler because it's way more than that. It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, it's uh, study session. Study. No, it's like you know, it's like if the um, I don't know if the professor takes a day off. Substitute. But teacher. your substitute teacher is like a really good teacher. The principal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're not just bringing in some Joe Schmo off the street to you know teach you American history one and three here. All exactly, right, we exactly. we went and got another distinguished. You know, Moats has his master's. You've got a law degree. Thank Again, you, thank just you, thank you. just guys that are way overeducated to be talking <laughs> on the radio to me. <laughs> Carter's classroom. You want to talk about Mason Rudolph and his post snap reads? Yeah, let's talk about. Mason Rudolph and the po- and the, and how he deals with things after the snap. Now, I, if you followed me 
my, my, throughout my time writing for DK Pittsburgh Sports. I broke down Mason Rudolph before the draft, during the draft, when he was picked up, and I've talked about him in his preseason games. What I've always liked about Mason Rudolph is he is very quick to identify, okay, one high safety, two high safeties. I know where the weak spots are traditionally in, in, a, in a defense. He's very good at identifying those those looks. And in, big, in the Big 12 and in college, when you identify those things, you're going to have success because – Defenses aren't the, the most communicative. They're not always the best put together. They're not disguising as well. So when you see those things, you're feeling confident, and and you and you think and you're able to to make those reads. Trust your first read, and even if you look at off, look off, like your main receiver may be running a deep post down the middle of the field, but you're you start off the play looking to your left to try and draw the safety away from him. Those are the kind of things Mason's very good at, and. On its surface, that means, oh, man, he has a really good command of his offense. But this has been his biggest struggle, is that when a defense does fool him pre-snap, say they showed they showed man, but they're really in zone, he has he's had a hard time making that adjustment after the snap. Oh, okay, now what do I check into? Because they just took away what I thought was going to be there. They just took away your first and second reads. Exactly, and your first and second reads. So that means, okay, either check down here, or there's another one other. I get a one-on-one -on -one opportunity somewhere else. That is something that he has that he has really struggled with. So let let's talk about let's let's talk about you know, that how that how that impacts the game. Uh, it, it's third down in the first quarter. It's like third and five, and and the Niners did this a lot throughout the game. And I saw I saw this pretty much the, pretty much most of the first half, and even quite throughout the, the second half. You got a situation where the Niners they have guys approaching. You know they have a lot of linebackers on on the Steelers uh, to the Steelers right side of the, of the of their of their offensive line, and they have some de some guys with their with their hand in dirt and three uh, three point stances showing like hey they're definitely blitzers, and um, on on the left side of the line Mason comes out and on his left he's got Deontay Johnson in the slot, and he, on his right he's got he's got Vance McDonald, and uh, on the snap. You think, okay, well, Deontay Johnson is going to be running behind those two guys that are in three-point stances. They're definitely blitzing. He's going to be my open guy. Good read initially, but what happens post-snap? The Niners drop back two guys from their left side, and those right, those guys on the right side that were standing off the ball, they come blitzing. And what happens is now the passing window to get to Deontay Johnson is tiny, and it ended up being an incomplete pass because he forced it to double coverage. But what happened? But where? So where did Rudolph go wrong? You throw behind the blitz. That is one of the biggest things that great quarterbacks does. That's why Tom hmm. Brady's so good. You know, oftentimes when you throw extra blitzers at him, because he know he can see where they're coming from. Even when he guessed wrong the first time, he'll see they, where they're coming from. I'll throw it behind them, and sure enough, Vance McDonald. Where was he? Behind the blitz. He and he ran a simple out route, and you saw him even turn. You can see him on the play. He throws his hands up like I'm open, I'm open. And you get the ball to him out in that kind of space. That's the kind of plays where he's. That's when he stiff arms somebody yeah. all the way to China yeah, and all takes the way it to for China. seventy poor, yards for the touchdown. Poor Chris Conti. His soul is still floating somewhere above above Raymond James Saint. Is it? Because again, I thought he pushed him all the way down to China. <laughs> But that's the thing is that you get plays like that where he misidentifies where the blitz is coming from. And a lot of times against the Niners, it was the blitz. You know, another third down, you're, you're, they're playing, and, and, and I get it. The, the Niners do have an aggressive front seven, but the Niners they load the box. They say, "All right, let's see, let's see if he he identifies where the blitz is coming from." They, and then they only and then they only rush four, and then he he tries to throw it into an area where James, uh, James, uh, uh, Richard Sherman is, is 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 playing a solid zone, and he's getting support to Deontay Johnson again. You know, I just think there's a lot of times that you see Mason Rudolph. He comes out, and if, if it's right, like in the preseason, you saw him lighting people up. Defenses weren't. 
disguising as much back in the preseason. You pre-season. don't do as much of that stuff in preseason. You right. just kind of let's line them up and our yeah. Jimmys let's, and Joes exactly. against your X's and O's. Yeah. Exactly. And let's get let's get the uh let, let's get let's get this let's get our defense out there and make sure that they know the play. Let's make sure they know how to cover in, in, in this situation. So a lot of the success we've seen, and I'm not again. This is a, a knock on Mason Rudolph, but this is his biggest obstacle. This is what he has to overcome. This is his version of Ben Roethlisberger getting out the ball faster. Okay. Identify where the defense is actually coming from. Be good at identifying the disguises because it's one thing to study and see what a, what kind of defenses a, a, a team likes to employ. It's a different thing to go in and say what do they like to show me and then and then flip Their out tendencies of. right and yeah. again it's a lot to ask of a second year guy with a third round NFL draft pick start. and he can his first NFL start there's all this talk and then there's all the drama of Ben's out for the season and they traded for the superstar and you're defense on the road. and you're on the road so it's not so, like you got the quiet crowd when exactly, you're trying to operate exactly so I mean this is not an indictment of, of, of Mason Ruff it's just an acknowledgement of where I think he has the biggest room to grow because I think once he starts understanding that some of those passes that he had early that were sailing on people they'll start to be a little bit more controlled because now he's not freaking out he's like oh man i guess this wrong i gotta make this play i gotta make this tough throw i think you'll start to see that settle in and become part of his game but again it takes actually you know actually getting used to it seeing how defenses are trying to fool you and uh and, and making those adjustments post snap and getting used to okay what are my what are my second and third options and part of this is also going to come down to the relationship between Mason Rudolph and Randy Feekner. Feekner yeah by all accounts is Ben Roethlisberger's guy. He was his quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. Um I, I remember uh it was, it was my first road game that I ever covered for DK Pittsburgh Sports. We went to it was the the, the Browns opener two seasons ago okay. uh, when they when they squeaked it, when they squeaked it out at the end there. Um, and, and as I'm walking in, I'm going through like the, the tunnels to get to the, the press box and everything. I see Randy Feekner warming up with Ben Roethlisberger. They're just tossing the ball back. I mean, that that's his guy. And Randy Feekner, I think was it was 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 made the offensive coordinator because he knows the best how to how to how to try and get the most out of Ben Roethlisberger. Sure, and, and that happens that happens across football. Exactly, and, and that's that's how it works. And they, you saw Freddie Kitchens get the head coaching job in, in Cleveland just yeah, because of that. That's 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 another story. But that would at least make us all feel better. Right, right. Those guys. <laughs> Those guys are are bad right now, and they're and they're the ones that they got all the superstars. This is supposed to be their year, right? And they're um, gonna have to pay all those young rookies here. Oh man, they're, 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 that's the thing. There's gonna be some big paydays. But again, Feetner did make the offense the number one red zone offense in the NFL last year, so he gets at least that kind of credit. But now Ben's gone. Now you got to establish a rapport with a young guy who's figuring things out. You got to figure out what he likes. What's he What's he good at? That takes time. And not only do you got to figure out what he likes and what he's good at. You got to figure out how to get, how to communicate to him. He's like, hey man, you know they're gonna try and do this to you. You gotta be ready. Don't fall for it. You know it's it's like it's like coaching up a fighter. It's like you know what, keep your left up because you know you know he's coming in. You know he's coming in with that right hook. <laughs> right. So you gotta be. And that's when and that's when you throw the counter punch, Rocky. You know yeah, you gotta hit the body, right? Exactly. You gotta get those kind of things. That's what I think the relationship is gonna be so important for Mason Rudolph's early development because he needs someone that's gonna help him figure out. Okay, we understand that you saw this and this was there. But they're taking it away. They might switch out of it. You need to have a, a second, a second, and a third read, or or even a check. You know, it's like you know what I see that this this guy's heavy, and this is part of also another reason. And this is something that I think that they need to do better. Even when Ben is, is healthy with the team, they need to get to the line sooner. 
Like give give mm. yourself 20 seconds at the line of scrimmage. That's something that Tom Brady does very well. He gets the plays in there, and now I can run motion. And I you can, can stand there and you can look at the defense. Yeah, and and I, Peyton Manning used to do that kind of thing all the time. Exactly. And I and I can fake hike, which if someone's blitzing from the secondary, if I fake hike, they're going to step. Peyton the, takes a jump forward. A side, and that's yeah. like, okay, that's, yeah. the, that's, that's where the blitz is coming from. Guys, let's switch this up. I'm throwing over there because that's where the blitz is coming from. Or if you see them communicate, that's when the chess matches start to happen. But you can't even get the chess matches happening when you're not using the motion, when you're not identifying where the blitz is coming from. You know, you're not identifying the Mike linebacker. Those are the things that you need to be able to do and adjust to throughout the game. But again, it comes with time. Mason Rudolph, I think, can can get there. He's a, definitely a smart guy. I've seen him make several smart reads throughout his collegiate career. And, you know, I think in, in, you see the, the pre-snap reads. If you can do those, you can make the adjustment. It's just going to be about how long does that take for him. We've had a lot of questions, Chris, uh, on Twitter, and I think some people on the phone lines want to talk about it as well, about snaps under center, playing out of the shotgun. Our, our, our good friend Christopher chimes in here. Also, why, in all capitals, are the Steelers not having Rudolph take snaps under center? I know he's a spread offensive guy, but really? I, I agree. I, I think that they that they should try to get some snaps under center. I, I think a lot of this offense was key to things that Ben Roethlisberger likes, and he he, he prefers to take those shotgun snaps. I, I, but I also think they're a little too comfortable with the days of Le'Veon Bell because mm. that was also where Le'Veon Bell was so good. You didn't need to line him up, you know, right. a, a, in like a pro split And he formation. could start at zero right. and make a guy. He didn't need two or three yards head steam. He yep. could start at zero, yep. drew a guy out of his out of his shorts. Exactly. And, you know, and, and take a run that should have been one or two yards and turn it into five, six, seven yards. Right. And, and as much as much as I know people want want – Want James Conner to be better than Le'Veon Bell, and I know a lot of people, lot of people tired to tell me, "Oh, he's better than Le'Veon Bell. Look at his numbers. Look at his numbers." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Everybody, slow down." This is the thing: is that he doesn't do the same things as Le'Veon Bell. When he gets ahead of steam, when he, when he's allowed to, to run run the power run and get behind, not even a fullback, but even a pulling a pulling guard, that's when you see him say, "Okay, locked on. I see my gap. I'm attacking that hard, and I'm going to make this a five or six yard gain." That's when James Conner gets the ball rolling, but not when he's sitting in the sidecar to Ben to Ben Roethlisberger or Mason Rudolph in the shotgun, and you're asking him to kind of make the zone read because that's what Le'Veon Bell is so good at. He could you can run a zone blocking scheme, which is easier on the offensive line. They can it makes things a little bit easier to communicate and deal with a moving defense, and then you allow the running back, hey, pick your hole, attack your spot, and that's that's just not Conner's strength. And I think absolutely. That's part of the solution is they need to get out of it. They get, need to get back to power footballs, so maybe some single back. If they don't got Roosevelt next, I understand, but maybe get some plays in there where you're saying, okay, let's at least build him up some steam. Let's use a pulling tight end. Of course, if their tight ends are hurt, I understand as well because if Vance McDonald's out, woof, you know, you're, now you're asking that pulling tight end to be Xavier Grimble in. There's reasonable questions uh, about that, and especially with Zach Gentry, you know, that his biggest problem is blocking. So definitely reasonable question there. I think that they need to switch switch into more handoffs, the traditional handoffs where Mason Rudolph's under center, under center coming back and bringing getting in an extra Connor. tackle. Yeah, bring it in. and they did that a little bit against the Seahawks. They they they, mm-hmm. they brought in uh, what was it Zach Banner on yep. on, on some plays. Yep, and I I, I think. They're Saw them con- last year do that a lot with Chooks, and, and they did it with Chooks. I mean, for years it was a staple of the offense. You know, it was uh, you know, who who, who was who was it before Chooks? There was a, there was another guy they would bring in as a sixth tackle, and regularly he would just come. It was Chris Hubbard. Chris Hubbard. Chris Hubbard. That's say, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he and he, and he. I mean, he did so well that he became the, he, he became a backup offensive tackle for the team for Marcus Gilbert, and then got a huge paycheck with the Browns. Like, I, I do think they need to try and get back to that at some point. Eric chimes in here. My two cents. Teams are daring us to throw the ball. San yes. Francisco had eight in the box nearly the entire game. We failed 
to pass the ball effectively in the first half to make them fear more over the top. My question, why didn't Mason Rudolph target James Washington and Juju more? You know, that's a very good question. I, I think part of it is what we've talked about. James, uh, you come out, he thinks, oh, this is here, but it's not. And he's trying to, he thinks Deontay Johnson's open, but he's not really. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think when, when you're, when you're not getting the ball to your best players and maybe Deontay Johnson's better than James Washington. Maybe he's not. Now James Washington got more snaps in the game. I know Deontay Johnson was announced the starter. You know, I was kind of like, you know, that might mean something to me. Might not. Um, you know, but 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 when I look when I looked at the snap counts, I'm like, that's what I look at. You know, because everyone said, oh, Vince Williams is the starter. That's ridiculous. How is Vince right. Williams be the starter over over these guys that that you brought in here to be the starters? And, and then you saw it after the Patriots game. Oh no, Vince played less than both of them. It's just that the the the, the, the naming of a starter is kind of uh, uh, you know a and not that big of a point. But uh, abs- absolutely, I think right now you gotta work the ball to your better receivers and. When they got the ball to Juju out, out in the space, you saw how dangerous he was. You have to wonder what would that would be like if, if James Washington get that. But again, I want to see the all twenty-two, and that's still not released. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the NFL Game Pass video. If you get if you get a chance, you know, and you and you want to look at it, that's the place you go and you look at and see. You know, after Tuesday, after all the games are completed, they release the uh, the, the the footage. Of, of, of that shows the sky cam and the line cams that allow you to see where, where everyone is on the field. People swore to me, Wes. People swore to me. Chris Collinsworth said it. Uh, everyone was saying that the, all the, the Patriots, they were they were blanketing every Steelers receiver. No one was open for Ben. But then I saw the All-22, and there were people open all over the place. James Washington was getting open. Juju was getting open. And people said Juju was never open. He couldn't get it. He's not a number one receiver. He can't get open. And there, was, there were several plays where Juju was, like, running across the middle of the field, waving his hand like, hello, I'm right here. But Ben was so freaked out because the Patriots, they, they get in his head. They take away his first read, and he gets uncomfortable with what he's doing in the offense. And I know a lot of people think Ben is infallible, but that's one of his biggest things. When you start getting his in his head, you know, he, you know, he, in his, in the old days, he would just tough it out. He would be like, I'm, I'm the big, strong quarterback. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a improvise and make this happen. He just, it's tougher to do that when you're older, you're a little bit slower, your arm's not, not as strong as it used to be. You know, and, and now you got Mason Rudolph. People are doing that to him. I think it's going to be tougher to get the ball to your playmakers, but they got to find a way. They, I think it, to the point where Randy Feeder's got to get into the, we got to emphasize getting the ball to our best players and not and not, on, not on one-yard screens, not not back to the Bruce Arians days, but to the point where, hey, we're giving, you know you know what? We're sending James Washington on, on, on a nine route. If there's no safety there, give him the shot. You guys made enough of those plays happen at Oklahoma State. I want to see that play. If there's a safety there, guess what? If there's safety there, that means Deontay Johnson's got one-on-one or Juju's got one-on-one. Someone's open underneath. Somebody's got to be open, and that's what you have to identify, and they haven't done that enough on offense. Carter's Classroom, nobody better. When we come back here, a ton of questions on the phone lines and on Twitter about the receiving core, Juju, James Conner, the offensive line. It seems like those are the things that you guys want to talk about. We will do that when we return. We'll take your calls at 412-919-1316 and on Twitter at Carter Critiques at Wesley Euler. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler in for Tunch and Wolf. You are in the locker room here on a uh, on a get it off your chest Monday. We'll be right back on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Rolling along here on a Monday morning. I almost said Monday afternoon because that's usually when I'm on. Monday morning in the locker room. It's Wesley Euler and Chris Carter. 
I wonder what Tunch and Wolf are doing right now. I think they can't still be sleeping. It's 1120. Man, Wolf's already got a stogie. He's sitting out there reading his book, you know, probably reading the Bible, looking out. It's a nice day, probably. He's probably just like, yeah, whatever. You know, he's if, if they have it, if they caught the red eye and they're already back, you know, he's probably already up in the morning. He's probably listening to us thinking like, well, these these losers. <laughs> who, who are these guys? Yeah, they let on the my for us. <laughs> you know, you can, you know, you mentioned Wolf and cigars, and I mean, it's like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, every Friday. And now, granted, the weather's about to turn, yeah. so he will sometimes he'll switch this up, you know, once it gets cold mm -hmm. and, and crappy outside, and we hit yeah. winter time. But you know, they do their show from ten to noon. Yep. Some days they're down on the south side. Some days they're here in the in the ESPN Pittsburgh studios, like we are right now in the Fox Pet studios. Mm -hmm. Wolf, you know, they do the show ten to noon, and then Wolf does a hit with Mark Madden at three fifteen. Yeah. So. Wolf has time to kill there mm -hmm. where he doesn't want to like go home. You know, it's not really worth his time. If it's a nice day out, mm -hmm. I guarantee you, Chris, 100% chance afternoon, you can find him. He'll go get some lunch or something yep. and then he'll come back, you yep. know, about 12 31 o'clock. And until three o'clock, you Got can find him chair. sitting down there yep. in the parking lot in that fold up chair, just chiefing a stogie. Mm -hmm. and every time I see him doing that, because, you know, a lot of times, like, Moats and I will finish our show at 2, mm -hmm. and I'll go to leave, and he'll be out there having his cigar. It always makes me think of that old when Jim Harbaugh was with the 49ers, and he'd always do the, who's got it better than us? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Like, I always yeah. say that to Wolf when I walk out there. I'm like, that's, who's got it better than Wolf? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. That, that is pretty clever. But that, that, that's, that's the dude. So that's definitely what my man Wolf's doing right now. Tunch, uh, he, he might be sleeping. <laughs> it's, his, it's his birthday again, his so birthday. shout out. Big he happy, sleep in. Big happy birthday to Tunch if he is listening. If not, Make sure you guys, if you see Tunch around today or, or this week, make sure you wish him a happy birthday. Wesley Euler, Chris Carter in for Tunch and Wolf here for about oh, the next 37 minutes or so. And we've got a ton of questions about James Conner, a ton of questions about the offensive line, uh, about you know, a whole, whole bunch of stuff here, Mr. Carter. And I think the most common sentiment about James Conner, Jason chimes in here on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. James Conner is off to a bad start this season. Is that on James? Is he not hitting the holes the offensive line is giving him, or is the offensive line not giving him anywhere to run with the ball? I, I, I think it's it's also a third element that you got to consider. Uh, one, the fumble is on James. That's hundred percent on James. Oh, you got to protect the ball no matter where you are. You know, a, you know, un, unless unless like, you know this is the the hail mary play where everyone's flipping the ball around. That's that's the one time where it's like you know what that happened, but. In in this in, in this situation, he's got to protect the football, and you got to think back. and And this is another thing when I told people, like you know, the people like, oh man, we're fine with Olivia Bell. I'm like, eh, you might not be because last year there were seven fumbles by the Steelers running backs. Three of them came in games that if they that that had they won those games, those fumbles played critical parts in the second half. Fumble against the Browns, they ended up tying. Fumble against the Broncos, ended up losing. Mm -hmm. Fumble against the the Saints, ended up losing. Now, not and, uh, two of those were Connor. One of those were, was uh, uh, Stephen Ridley. But you look at those games. If one of the, if one of those games goes the other way because they don't fumble, they probably go to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. and, or even the Juju fumble against the Saints. And the Juju. Well, but again, that's that's. But you know, that's a Juju's been an outlier. Sure. The running back position has been a problem. But seven fumbles in a single season. How you know how many times Le'Veon Bell I do. fumbled as a season? Look at me and you are both doing the bam, same bam, research. Bam, 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 Five bam. seasons. Yeah. Eight times. Eight fumbles. Sixty-two games. Yep. Eight turnovers. Eight turnovers. James Conner has five and 14, I think. Yeah, and at the same time, his touches were infinitely more yes. than, than those guys. Like his the ratio of touch to fumble with, with Bell was so was 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 so much higher with how many touches per fumble than it was for those guys. And that's just a reality. And it's unfortunate. So that part of J James Conner 
that is on him. He has to get better at that. That has to be part of how he, uh, you know, if he wants, if he wants to improve his story in the NFL, he has to protect the ball more. As far as hitting the holes, yes, offensive line needs to be better. I think there's a, the, the, there's one element that I think that we've been talking about. You gotta give him chances to build up steam. You gotta get him some some lead blockers, not some zone blockers, but you know, get run a power run. Let a guard get out in front of you. Even if Roosevelt Nix isn't there, let Vance McDonald pull and get out in front of him. Or if it's gotta be Xavier Grimble because Vance is hurt, I get that. Do that. But at the same time, defenses, and this is what another person was saying. Defenses are flooding the line of scrimmage. The mm-hmm. Patriots did it, the Seahawks did it, and the Niners Especially did it again. Especially now with Mason going forward. Right. And, and and the thing was, the Patriots did it because they knew Ben can't throw deep early in the season. We're going to make him beat us deep. And he, and Ben didn't, didn't capitalize on, on his opportunities. They, you know, there were times that Ben had his one-on-one opportunities, just didn't take him against the Patriots. That, that, that was on him. Seahawks did that a lot with Ben, and then Mason came in. Mason hit him a few times. That flea flicker backed him up, and you saw in the fourth quarter against the Seahawks, you saw Connor get loose on a couple runs. Why? Because the, the, because Mason hit him a few times, and you saw Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright being a little tentative to approach the line of scrimmage. That didn't happen against the Niners, especially early. Uh, you, know, you, were, you were telling me, our boy Mike Perjuda called it out. Yes, he did. This was a heck of a stack, stat pool by Mike Pursuta. Rudolph only completed two passes beyond the line of scrimmage. Two passes one, beyond the line two. of scrimmage. Like one, two, like buckle my shoe. Yeah, one, two, buckle my shoe. As, as in dose, as in I, 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 Spanish is the only other language Zwei? I've ever studied. Yeah, is, is that? I thought, wait, I thought that was the thing. Eins, that, zwei, that's what they say in cool runnings with the Swiss. When they're like, oh, who cares about the Swiss? You know, get out of here with that, Wes. But... <laughs> But no, but they they had two completions and they're the two touchdowns. So part of that, I look at the offense and I say, if I'm a defense, why would I respect your passing game? I'm going to flood your running game because even though the offensive line hasn't played great, you know they still got Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Villanueva, who when when he's hot, he's hot. Ramon Foster's a good vet in this league. And Filer, yeah, he's a guy, but... With those guys and James Conner, James Conner still almost had 1,000 yards last year despite missing quite a few games. If Matt Filer's the weak link of your offensive line, there's about about 24 teams in the NFL who would would sign up for that right now. Exactly, and that's the point is that when teams recognize that is still the Steelers' strength, let's flood this line of scrimmage, let's stop them from from getting off the ball and force this quarterback to hit us over our head. And if he does, we'll adjust. But Rudolph didn't do that. And, the, again, the two times he completed, the only two times he completed were those touchdown passes. And by then, the Niners are like, well, the plan's working. If we give up two touchdown passes in a game where we're shutting down the ground game and we're we're still in it even though we're giving up five turnovers, I'm okay with that. And, and, and they, they were. The Steelers have still have to find a way to hit them. That's the problem with the running offense is that no one respects the passing offense right now. Calvin chimes in here. Thanks for bringing some sunshine to the season in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Oh, I guess man, we're being buddy. optimistic here. Yeah, I guess we're being Moats optimistic. Moats and I get crucified for being too <laughs> negative all the time. So thank you, Calvin. But Calvin wants to know how much would you place the offensive line play, the struggles early on the loss of one Mike Munchak? Um, not too much because part of it has been hasn't been there. I mean, th- th- these are most the same guys that Munchak coached. You know, I, I don't think Munchak. Like they just forgot how to football. Yeah, it's like gone for oh, a couple man, months. Coach Munchak's gone. How do I make a right reach? I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, no, no, that's 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 not the case. Munchak is great. Is great at preparation. Munchak was great at, at helping guys move move f- further along. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is they're overwhelmed. And I wrote about this on on the on the, the Friday before the game for D. 
DKPittsburghSports.com. You look at those games. There's just so many times when a defense is bringing eight, nine guys in the box against the run and they're looking to stop you, you're going to make more mistakes. You're putting more pressure on people like Matt Filer and people like Alejandro Villanueva to win in, in situations that aren't as favorable. And, and, and even also the tight ends with Vance McDonald, Xavier Grimble, or when you tried to pinch in uh, James Washington or oh, when they tried to put Ryan Switzer as a blocker, he got abused. Uh, but – you know, there's, there's, you're asking guys to make really difficult blocks, but when you force teams to respect your passing game, and you see the safeties, they're not creeping up. You see the linebackers, they're a little tentative to, to step up into a gap. You know, then you're getting that space, and now these guys, all right, we have the space to work. This is where you can see us at our best. But I mean, you, you can have the best offensive line in the world if I, if you don't, if you're not throwing the ball in today's NFL, you're not gonna move it. You know, you 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 have to at least show me that there's a reason why my linebackers shouldn't take three steps to the to the football as soon as as soon as you snap it. Speaking of sunshine, let's go back to the phone lines and go down to the Sunshine State where we've got Dave on the line. What's happening, Dave? Uh, how you doing, guys? What's up? Okay. <laughs> you, guys, <laughs> you guys are optimism. Usually I'm very optimistic about the Steelers, but I think it's wishful thinking this year. We're in trouble. Uh, there's nobody the defense is scared of in the wide receiver court besides you got Juju. That's it. They're, you know, this is going to be all season long. I think uh, – Rudolph is actually doing a good job for the, under the circumstances. He's got nobody out there. He's not getting any help. And uh, I don't care if you put the 70 Steelers line out there. <laughs> Eventually, they're going to break. And, and they broke yesterday with all those turnovers. In years, be, years past, we would have jumped on a 9-17-0, and mm-hmm. it would have been a different story. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see the Steelers maybe winning five games this year. Dave, you, you, say, you say correctly that it seems like Juju is the only guy that defenses fear. So in your mind, who has to be the second guy to emerge there? Is it James Conner? Is it Vance McDonald? Is it James Washington? Is it maybe Deontay Johnson? Who's most likely to emerge as that second threat to help keep the defense more honest? I, I think it's got to be James Washington. He, he flashed in the preseason. And uh, from the preseason to the regular season, he, you know, it didn't carry over. We need him to step up. Now, I, I don't know. Did they cut Eli Rogers or is he suspended? They he's did. cut. He's yeah, cut. He, is, he is a free agent right now. He's, he's a free agent right now. They need help. They need help in the wide receiver position uh, because um, this is what they're going to face all year long. Yeah, no, I agree, Dave. It's a great point by you. Thanks for the call. And you see D, uh, Dante Moncrief inactive yesterday. Yep. I can't imagine that continues too long. Like he's got to be back soon, and if, if if nothing changes, then maybe you do see a guy like Eli maybe get a, a second chance. But yeah, someone's got to step up. I mean, it could be Deontay Johnson. He's shown flat. Like, but yeah, I mean, you got to have somebody else step up. I, I think Deontay Johnson did step up when he got the chance. Um, I, I, again, I, I'm not. I'm not 100% certain it is the receivers right now. I mean, again, people told me that about the Patriots game. And the Seahawks game, they, they, they had their opportunities. These guys these guys were getting open. And you saw that in the second half when Rudolph came in. He found some chemistry early early on. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do agree that, that, that Mason Rudolph does need help. And this was why having superstars on offense was a big deal and not something that you could just replace overnight thinking it and I and I'm not saying that the Steelers didn't have to get rid of Antonio Brown because you, you, you I mean you see he's not even playing for a team right now but people who thought oh man he's gone offense will be great 
Well, it's going to take a lot of adjustments because that guy plugged up a lot of problems on on the offense by getting open so consistently. And it's like a combination of uh, the the three guys you could have said that about, right? Yeah, yeah. That that cover up a lot of problems, that help get you out of jams, that can make something out of nothing. To steal a basketball term, right? Can create their own shot. Yep. That's a great point. That's a great point. The guys that you can that you can say get him the ball and he's going to hit the three-pointer in the in the big game. Antonio Brown gone. Yep. Lev Bell gone. Yep. Ben Roethlisberger gone. Yep. I mean, those are that's one surefire Hall of Famer in the quarterback. Yep. That's a wide receiver that I think was a, a surefire Hall of Famer until he went off the deep end. Oof. And and a running back that it's it's so tough now in the modern NFL in right. that position, but is one of the best of his generation he, he without was, a doubt. He, when he was with the Steelers, he's on he was on a historic pace of yards per, from scrimmage per game that no other NFL player has ever been on. I'll even take that a step further for you. What's up? You go back what eighteen months ago? Oh yeah. I brought, yeah, I brought this up with, yeah. The four most talented Steelers on the field 18 months to two mo- to two years ago are now all gone. Antonio yeah. Brown, Lev Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, and Ryan Shazier. All for different reasons, mm-hmm. but they're not available on Sundays right now. Yeah, and those, those wow, that, I didn't even think about throwing Ryan Shazier in that situation. But legitimately, in 2017, the last time this team had a, had a, had a, had a shot to go to, to, to be in the playoffs, to make a run at the Super Bowl, their four top players are gone. That's that's just that, I mean, and, and for different in, reasons. In eighteen months. In eighteen months, I, I even said, for, forget eighteen months. Give us thirteen months. You know, uh, if you had told everybody, everybody, you know, and everybody that's everybody was saying that Le'Veon Bell was showing up last year at some point. You know, coming into training camp, they're like, yeah, he's probably gonna hold out training camp, but he's gonna show up week one, maybe week two, maybe week three, and he never showed up. And, and if you week six, wait, wait, no, week, week, week six. twelve, right, right, exactly. I mean, it became a point where people were waiting around outside for him to show up at, at, at the Steelers facility, and then he never would. And then it was like, but and even he thought like his agent was like, oh, we didn't realize this part of the contract actually allowed us right. to do this. You blame that on Mark Caballi, right? Yeah, woof. Uh, way to go, Caballi, kaboom. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, you you look at you you look at how that played out. The you know beginning of last year, you had Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio, think th- and think about this, Wes. If you had, I wrote this as a tweet. If you had went, if you could go back in the past and tell pre twenty eighteen West what it was like, it's like what is like, hey man, pre twenty eighteen West. Well, pre twenty eighteen season West, like it's cool. it's twenty eighteen, but going into the season, and you're and 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 the old West asked asked the new West. It's like, hey man, uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll use me. I won't I won't use you because no, it's okay. I'm, yeah. I'm in I'm in this now. It's it's, it's like it's so your first question. So did they sign Le'Veon Bell? Uh, no, he, he's a Jet. Oh wow, man, that's tough. Okay, okay. Well, then that means they paid Ben Roethlisberger, right? He got the super contract. He's going to be playing with the team. Yep, he did. But he's out for the season. <laughs> what? And they, uh, Antonio Brown's a Patriot. What? Well, like, his, his, th- his jersey's on clearance by three different oh teams right now. Gosh, that 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 was hilarious. I forget who tweeted that, but that was one of the, that was an all time tweet about his jersey being on sale. But like, think about that. The three best players, the Killer Bees, also. Can we say something, Steeler Nation? Let's stop giving people nick nickname groups. Everyone's True. trying to recreate recreate the Steeler Curtain, but they called the group the Cash Money or whatever they were called with mm-hmm. with, with Sanders, Wallace, and Brown. Mm-hmm. That was dis- dismantled soon after. People called these guys the Killer Bees, and they were the Killer Bees. I mean, I'm not saying that they weren't the baddest dudes around, but they're all gone now. <laughs> so it's like I, I think you're cursing yourself with these nicknames. Just call them by who they are. Maybe give them individual nicknames. That's a different way to go about it, mm-hmm. but. Let's relax on the nicknames because, you know, people are already talking about, oh, maybe we got the Smoking Jays with James Conner and <laughs> Juju and James Washington and, and Deontay Johnson. And, you know, uh, yeah, so like, I'm like, well, guys, 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 they haven't even gotten started yet. 
Don't jinx them already. Yeah, forget about the smoking jays. Yeah. All right, that's what something they do out in the Bay Area, smoking jays. <laughs> forget about forget about the killer bees. All right, how about just some W's? Just some there how about you some go. W's. You gonna Chris eat Carter. a W today? You gonna eat a W today? Oh gosh, don't eat a W. Just put one up on the board. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler in for Tunch and Wolf on a reaction Monday here, and we are going to hit the phone lines hard when we come back. Devin, Brian, Cr, and O'Neill, stay right there. We will get to your reaction also on Twitter at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. We will wrap up the show. We will wrap up this emotional Monday when we return. Wesley Euler, Chris Carter, you are in the locker room. Wesley Euler, Chris Carter in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf on this Monday. When there's some doom and gloom in Steelers Nation, but not all negative, folks. We've given you some positives to hang on to here. But the reaction has not been as uh, maybe as glass half full as some of the stuff that we laid out. That you're 0-3, yes, but if you look at the schedule right now, I think there's at minimum five and six. Like, if things still go worst case scenario, I think there's still five or six wins on that schedule and hey they're 0 and 3 but those three teams that beat the Steelers are a combined 8 and 1 yep. with the only loss being to the an NFC contender an NFC favorite the New Orleans Saints but we've also gotten into some negative yeah how you can force five turnovers but still let the Niners run 22 more plays mm-hmm. uh maybe not maybe I think play calling that was too conservative in the first half yep Uh, The defense that played great until it had to, and just for the last two years with a lot of extenuating circumstances, but just seems like they they can't hold a lead. And then fumbling, too, unfortunately. And I don't think, uh, Chris, you've had the pleasure of being on the phone lines here when we go to our human flamethrower. Okay. As our Fremotes likes to call him. But one of our buddies, Devin in Denver, he's one of our most loyal listeners and callers and tweeters. And he was at the game yesterday, actually. And he wants to talk about James Conner's late fumble, and I can't imagine he's too thrilled. What's happening, Devin? What's going on, fellas? What's up? Uh, You got me? We got you loud and clear, baby. Hit us. All right. First and foremost, um, our running game, I mean, it it is a sad state of affairs. But just like how Brady was able to – do play action even with no run, we should still be able to do play action with no run. I told you at the beginning of the season, the key is McDonald. He has to be the number two threat. After Juju takes everybody deep, there's no point of running a one-yard screen or a zero-yard screen if they're doubling Juju and the DBs are going forward. You got to got to have the DBs going backwards, the linebackers going backwards, the linebackers not knowing where the ball is. And when we try to run out of that shotgun, the only shotgun play that actually works right now is when Connor decides to go weak side because there's so many people in the box. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, we were winning before the Diva dump, and now after the Diva dump, including the, the last Diva, which was Ben, we're not winning without the filmmakers if the offensive line is not producing correctly on, in the run game. Our offense can't be just five wide or four wide and one running back and then tr- hoping Samuels makes a play or hoping a receiver makes a play when everybody knows what we're doing. The best thing of our offense is to throw the ball to, to Vance and then and then get Juju a little bit deeper. I mean, his our two best plays on offense from Mason was the play action that they threw the second touchdown last week mm-hmm. and the flea flicker. Mm-hmm. Both basically kind of like play action plays. Brady play action does to death, throwing five yards and let the receivers or the running backs make plays after that. 
Deontay can do that. He he juked the heck out of some, some people on the left side in that game when you get it to him short with a little bit of space. But like I said, our, until our run game is fixed, until our, uh, our, our mouth, the offensive line doesn't get that, that stuff corrected, we're not going to be able to beat the better team. Make some great points, Devin. Flamethrower. That's without, a good name. That's a good name. Without you hit a doubt, lot of points there. I, man, I just something's got to give. Yeah, something's got. Something's got to. Again, I think this. It's like you said. It, it boils down to the passing game. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the and, diva dump is a good is a good name. <laughs> he 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 throws that around all the time. He, um, he loves that. Yeah, but yeah, I I think if you don't open up the uh, Brady killed them with the play action. They called play action a few times early in the game, but it, it looked like every time Mason did it, he was looking around, not seeing something, and then he tried to scramble. That's where I wanted to go too with Devin's comment about how you don't have to be a great run team to run play action. Nope. This is something that I've been screaming since last year, even when the Steelers were running the ball successfully. Yeah. Arthur Motes and I disagree on this vehemently. Some of the most intense arguments we've gotten into <laughs> on the show is because he thinks you need to run the ball to have a successful play action. And uh, you know, I've told we've we've looked at the analytics and the statistics of it, and and how that adds up to not ex- an exact correlation there. But he's gone through the mindset of linebackers and and guys who play in the box when you're going up. Right. So there's there's been spirited discussion on both sides. You have a team like the Detroit Lions who hasn't had a good running back since Barry Sanders, yep. and they still run play action very mm-hmm. effectively. I clearly I'm with Devin that I think play action needs to be last year. The Steelers ran play action the least amount of any team in the NFL. Yep. They're at the bottom of the barrel. Now it's been a little bit better with Mason, but that's something that I've been screaming since last year, more play action and not just judges use play action, but hit, you know, when you get play action, somebody has come came up to the line of scrimmage. Somebody's going to, going to at least get a one-on-one. You got to take the shot. And I understand it may not be your favorite shot, but you got to force the ball sometimes to, especially when it's to your best playmaker. When, and, you know, Juju, there were a couple times where I thought he was kind of open the way he was open for his touchdown. Where yeah, it would have been it would have taken a great throw, but or or a great catch to make it happen. But that's why you got the guy out there because he's the number one receiver. Throw it to him like he's the number one receiver. Give him the ball, as he uh, said after he scored his touchdown. At least I think that was him. Let, him, a, let him make a combat catch, right? Yeah, let him make those combat catches. You know, let let your playmakers make plays for you. Brian down in Orlando has been hanging on the line for a while. Wants to talk about the offense and the offensive line. What's happening, Brian? Well, I'm a huge Steeler fan, so I haven't given up hope yet. Uh, I named my son after Troy Polamalu, so we're definitely not nice. going to give up hope yet down here in Florida. But I think we're, we're, we're tipping our plays, especially our offensive line. Um, I could call the runs yesterday, the way Fowler and Villanueva set up. You can tell that they're running. The Patriots even did it. They knew what we were doing before, uh, when we were doing it. They, weren't, they were audibleizing to a run because of the way our offensive line are setting their feet. I think the teams have caught on to that, especially those two. Yeah, I think it's a great point. It's something yeah. we talked about on the postgame show yesterday, or last night, I should say, about how maybe it's just as simple as letting your offensive lineman get in more three-point stances. Yeah. Maybe uh, you talk a lot about tipping your hand, Brian. You're right. And even when even uh, when they're even when they're still in a two-point stance, right, it's still almost like, okay, well, it's either going to be one of those shotgun runs to yeah. Jay, and that still almost seems like, to use Brian's words, you you're tipping your hand with what you're trying to do, and, and that's exactly what's what's go, what I think is going on. Sometimes, I mean, that's that's something they teach you in high school football. You know, right. if if the guy if the guy's putting more pressure on, on his on his on his front hand, he's running at you. If he's putting less pressure, he's he's, he's probably dropping back. It's a pass. You know, th- and those are things that you can pick up on pretty quickly, e- even at a high school and collegiate level. You know that pros are gonna, are going to see that. I do think that they they're tipping their hand. I mean, and, and not just with that, but with 
how the plays are coming. I mean, there were several times I'm like, here comes the run, here comes the screen, here comes the run, here comes the screen. And, and, and it seemed like they were tentative to take those shots when you need to take those shots to scare people off the ball. So I, I think you're onto something there, man. Speaking of offensive line and run game and running backs, O'Neal out in California has a question about the running backs. Maybe when we'll start to see some other guys get some spin other than James. Talk to us. Yeah, man, I was saying because to me, James Carner, he, he he run like a fullback. Like, he take what the line give him. He don't got no finesse. Like, with other running backs, they would bounce it out or, like, just like a cut move. You don't see that in James Carner no more. Like, and when Benny Snell had, like, two carries – he had, he had, like, what, 10 yards? Like, we should make, like, at least a dual-threat running back. Like, like have more than one guy that's running the ball. Be too predictable. Yeah, we were talking about what that with think? Jay. We were talking about that a little bit with Jalen Samuels earlier yeah. too. How he was on the field for I think twelve snaps, fifteen snaps, something like that. Didn't get the ball once. Yeah. He's a guy who you ask him, he'll tell you. In high school and in college, he played exclusively in shotgun. He yeah. never lined up under center. So if that's going to be how you're going to run the ball, I'd at least like to see him get some opportunity. Fourteen snaps for, for, for Jalen Samuels and not a single target in the passing game. And, and our boy, our boy, our boy Adam Adam Crowley, he retweeted out and quoting Mark Caboli that when he talked to. Feekner. Feekner said he loved Jalen Samuels. Why? Because he runs great routes. Well, how, how are you going to use those great routes when you're not throwing him the ball? Yeah, no doubt. And last but not least here on the phone lines, our guy CR in Chicago wants to talk a little negativity around Steeler Nation. CR, knowing you, I think you're I think you're still a little optimistic today, huh? Wow, wow, wow. Oh, he's got his theme, he's got his theme music. He's got his, he's, he's got his wild, wild west theme music playing in the background. Now CR is back, baby. He's in, he's in mid-season mode. Yeah, man, I've been um, I've been trying to get a hold of you guys for, for for years and years. As a matter of fact, um, last Wednesday when when you guys uh, uh was up was uh filling in for 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 the, for the old fogies, mm-hmm. I was on the line for a minute uh, for an hour fifty two minutes, man, and I didn't get in. We we ha- we've had some phone line problems here in the building, Cr. I apologize, but that's why I wanted to make sure we got to you today, baby. Right, and 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 on your electric show. Uh, you don't have a calling number, man. When are you gonna get one of those? Yeah, so so what? CCR is on it. So we uh, there's some switching around of some studios here, CR, and unfortunately with that, uh, the phone lines in the Steelers studio are currently being rewired and reworked. But we're hoping, I've been told, by October, so only a few, you know, another week or so here, that our uh, our Steelers lines should be back as well too. All right, I appreciate that, man. And uh, hey, Chris, I really appreciate uh, uh, you know you being on there, man. You got the. Uh, I, I like uh, Chris's uh, classroom. That's that, that's pretty sharp, man. Yeah, he um, knows what he's talking about, you, sir. Yeah, I think you are dead on too, as far as the the, the running game. Uh, I think that Connor is in the wrong position. I think he needs to be, uh, like you said, uh, in the uh, what um, the quarterback needs to be under the center and and give uh, give him uh, that that opportunity to run run through. And like you said, Benny Snell. He is um, an I would call him an eye back uh, kind of guy. And then Washington, I mean, it's a shame that you know that, that he's not in there, man. I don't really know what's going on. I'm not. I'm not really negative. I understand that this has been a, a big turnaround, and uh, you know it, it is what it is. And Connor also has to hold on to the ball. But now here's what happened yesterday. They had the they had four turnovers in the first in the first quarter on the first half, I should say, and they only got six points out of it. And mm-hmm. um, if they could have turned some points on the board, made some things happen, then that would have given them an opportunity to be ahead, and then they would have been able to play much better in the second half. 
and as far as all these people talking about firing the coach and, and doing all that crazy nonsense, for people who've been around uh, the Steelers for a while, man, uh, I go back to, to 1973. And from 1973 until now, they've only had seven losing seasons, man, when they've been mm-hmm. under, under uh, uh, 500. CR, no, I'm 28 years that, old, and they've only had two losing seasons in my lifetime. Yeah, I think I've, they've only had two under my lifetime. Yeah, No, well, no, they had three because they had 98, 90, 99, and then 2003. Yep. So Okay, and, and, and 98 was 7 and 9, 99 was 6 and 10, yep. and 03 was 6 and 10. Yeah. And, and, and none of those are tank years. Six and ten. None of those yeah, are tank 88 years. Was, yeah, 88 was 5 and 11, and 91 was 7 and 9. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, still an organization know what they're doing, but right now they do need to change that that uh, that uh, the game plan because the game plan, as you said, is it was set for uh, 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 Bell and them, and it's, a, it's you got different players in there now, so you I need agree. to approach that from, from a different perspective. Uh, what comments do you have on that? I, I agree entirely. I think they got to re they got to restructure how they're going to run the ball, how they're going to pass the ball around the talent they have on the team. And I also agree, this is no time to fire the coach. I, I do think coaching deserves criticism. Absolutely, I sure. think Mike Tomlin, I think Ryan Feekner, you know Keith Butler. You got to look at you got to look at these guys and say, okay, where do I disagree with how the game plan was done? But I also again, I got to see who was open down the field. If there's open guys down the field, that's not on the offensive coordinator, that's on the quarterback. But I will say this as well: you don't just toss away a coach. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. It was like, well, he finally has one. That's the time you fire him. No. I look back at teams, at recent teams. You look at Tom Coughlin. Every year, people were calling for his head, and then all of a sudden, he'd win a Super Bowl. And Sean then, Payton. And Sean, and Sean, I'm getting to Sean Payton in a sec. But they <laughs> fired Tom Coughlin, and those years they're going to Super Bowl, now they're dumpster fire years. The Giants are, are scraping the bottom of the barrel. They're trying to rebuild themselves entirely. The Saints held on with Sean Payton. He had three straight losing seasons. They got their picks. They retooled, and now they got Alvin Kamara and and, and, and uh, they got Michael Thomas and, and Marcus Lattimore, and they're kick, they're kicking people's butts, and they're a Super Bowl contender. You stick with your Super Bowl winning coach, even even through the rough times. If he goes on his own, that that that's fine. But you don't just dump him because things are things are looking bad right now, especially when he, this might be maybe his first losing season ever. Chris Carter, folks, find him on Carter on Twitter at Carter Critiques. His work on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thanks for joining me today, partner. Pleasure as always. Thanks for having me. Wes is always good to do a show. I'm with you, sure bro. we'll do this again at some point. Thanks to our guy Greg for producing. Uh, I'll be on the drive with Matt Williamson at four o'clock, so you can catch me again then. I'll be back with Moats tomorrow. We do have a show tomorrow because no Tomlin press conference tomorrow. So we'll talk to you at noon tomorrow on SNR. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, you have been in the locker room on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN Pittsburgh.